Hello and uh, welcome to this week's TES podcast. Uh, I'm Martin George. I'm joined by Will Hazel. Hi, Will. Hello. And Kate Parker. Hi, Kate. Hello. So, uh, today is the day that Theresa May has formally resigned as leader of the Conservative Party. Um, but we've actually had a whole week of um, her potential successors all arguing about how much more money they want to give to schools. Um, good news for schools then. What do you think, Will? What do you think, Kate? Yes, but... But, I, guess, I said it's a but, it's I mean, always a but. Like the ACL said that we need 5.7 billion, don't we? That was the figure they gave. Yeah. And, you know, none of, the, none of you know, Gove or Hancock's, well, they're, they're not quite reaching that threshold yet. So I guess, yes, it's good, but is it really enough, what they're offering? Yeah, I think that's the, I mean, the worthless campaign was saying, it doesn't sound like enough, you know, yeah. nice they're talking about it, but... Yeah. And it also sounds, we've been getting a lot of mixed messages haven't we? Because we've had these leadership hopefuls, you know, making various different bids about how much they're going to be able to uh, give schools. Um, but then we had a story which you reported, I think, yesterday, Martin, around potential delay to uh, this funding because, you know, the fact that, that we are going to have a new prime minister means that the spending review, which is what you'd expect to, you know, come up with a new funding settlement that could be delayed so whether this money arrives when schools want it to is not yet clear yeah it's like the, con- the contest you know dangles this carrot in front of you at the mm. same time snatches it away and pushes it 12 months into the future <laughs> um another interesting one today though is and this is from the financial times um apparently theresa may um in her remaining few weeks as prime minister wants to put out a big splurge on school funding the next few weeks as part of her legacy as Prime Minister. Which, I mean, it's slightly odd, isn't it? You know, trying to bind the hands of her successors when Liz Truss is talking about deliberately not doing that and, and waiting a year to make these decisions. Yeah. Yeah, it's very easy to say that when you're two weeks away from leaving, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But there's clever politics, though. I mean, if she did say it, is Boris Johnson suddenly going to say, actually, no, I disagree, don't give that money to schools? Yeah. I mean, what, yeah. are they going to dare to, to say that's a bad idea? Wow, good question. It, it's just it's it does seem to be part of this legacy kind of project which she's got, and we saw it with the, the Augur review um, yeah. last week, mm. um, where obviously it's the kind of the the, the final days of May, uh, and she desperately wants something to be able to point to and say, you know, this is what I achieved, and so we saw the Augur review last week. Uh, we might be seeing something on school funding, but again, whether uh, the next prime minister will feel obliged to, you know, uh, deliver what she says, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it might be that her achievement with Olga was she had a press conference, and that's <laughs> it, you know, yes. and a few front pages <laughs> in the day. Um, so we will see. Um, another thing, sort of slightly related to the Tory leadership campaign, is um, we know some of the front runners are very much in favour of grammar schools. Mm. Um, so. Uh, was it Education Data Lab helpfully yes. did a bit more research on, on why grammar schools might not be such a good idea? Yeah, and I think it was it was it was in, an interesting analysis. Um, it was new. I think for most people who sort of follow the education debate, they probably wouldn't be terribly surprised by some of the findings. But one of the conclusions was that grammar schools uh, do it seems. Uh, they lead to slightly better outcomes for those who go to them, but that needs to be balanced against 
worse outcomes for the students who, who don't go to them compared to an area where there's just a fully kind of comprehensive system. Uh, so yes, it's sort of, it's kind of adding to this kind of, this already quite well established case against introducing new grammars. Uh, but interestingly, I spoke to the, uh, the the chief executive of the Grammar School Heads Association, Jim Skinner, yeah. and I asked him whether he hoped that you know grammars were going to be really back on the agenda because we've had a couple of Tory leadership candidates like Boris Johnson and Dominic Raab who have been quite supportive of them in the past. But he sort of poured a bit of cold water on it really and just said, effectively, you know, the facts haven't changed since the general election. They, the government still doesn't have a, have a majority, so whether they'd be able to um, you know, push something through, even if they really wanted to, um, it, it seems unlikely they they would be able to at the moment. Yeah, I guess there's, there's always that point as well that you know, supporters of grammar schools, it, it's not always about the evidence in a mm. sort of academic report, is it? it, it it's, a, it it's, a, it's a belief, isn't yes, it, rather yeah. than a sort of an argued case mm. for some people. So I doubt this would dissuade voting in the Tory leadership campaign, for example, for supporting yeah. programmer school people. Um, Kate, um, we've had, it's been in the news a lot for weeks now, but um, LGBT issues. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we had Nick Gibb come out earlier this week and call um, the protesters bizarre and horrific. Um, and saying, you know, it's wholly inappropriate what they're doing, the protests out of outside Parkfield and Anderton um, in Birmingham. Yeah. And, um, you know, there there is a review on Monday to see if the injunction that stops the protesters from being outside the schools will um, continue. Um, I guess I speak to everybody when I say we hope that it does. Mm. It, you know, it's highly distressing for children to walk through that every single day and parents too. Um, and we've had a couple of people um, write various comments for us, um, you know, in support of the teachers, um, like Andrew Moffat, who you met and interviewed at yes. Mabel Teach Prize, and um, Sarah Hewitt-Clarkson, who's the head teacher at Anderton Park. Um, so, like, Bernard Trafford basically is saying, um, you know, schools need to, you know, set a moral standard and teach, make sure they are teaching LGBT content within their sex relationships education you know if he makes the point of if schools don't teach it who's going to teach it um you know it's not people use the word tolerance a lot i think but it's not about tolerance it's about welcoming and truly accepting everybody no matter what um and you know i think the school the sex relationships education thing which is coming in um in september i believe um paul whiteman who um the nhts uh, General Secretary. Yeah, um, and, and that's a largely primary school yeah. organisation, so really affected by this. So he's calling, so at the moment the guidance says um, primary schools are enabled to encourage, enabled and encouraged to cover LGBT content if they consider it age appropriate to do so. He's saying that it should be when they consider mm. it age appropriate. So there should be no if about this, they should be taught this. It's up to the teachers to decide, you know, like kids maturities can really differ between different groups of kids and different sets of kids so it's about when the teacher thinks they're appropriate they should be taught this I think it's kind of you know they're calling for it to be taken a decision away from the teachers it's not whether whether they should teach us or not um and he calls for the DOE to say yes in all schools this yeah. is what should be taught and that, that would really help teachers wouldn't it because yeah because the more that parents think it's teachers choice mm. in individual schools the more open they are yeah and you know it must be so horrible we, we've 
read all the stuff from Andrew Moffat and things like death threats. That's that's absolutely horrific that some teachers are getting that because because they obviously are teaching kids that it's okay for you know a kid to have two mummies, two daddies, or you know it's just about relationship, isn't it? And love. Mm. It's not about you know sex. It's it's about so much more than that. And I think it's it's horrible to think that there's teachers out there that are you know really being attacked in public for this it's just awful it's interesting that i mean uh, sorry sorry will um that um nick gibb this, this is this is the strongest that we've seen mm. a government minister come out yeah. and it's been going on for months hasn't yeah. it uh, i mean has there been a softly softly approach do you think or is, is it just uh, I, I was thinking about this the other day um and I, I i know our colleague john roberts as well has wrote a kind of report to take on why it's taken so long for the government to you know say something strong on this and i think when I was trying to sort of give the, the government the benefit of the doubt, I thought maybe that maybe they did think if we kind of go in all guns blazing right at the beginning and kind of condemn all these protesters, will we make it worse and kind of inflame the situation and get kind of people's backs up and actually make it worse for the teachers? And I think that is probably the most sympathetic view you could take of what the, gov- the government's slightly kind of muted response so far is maybe they just thought, hang on, if we're kind of talking to people behind the scenes, maybe that's the better way to sort it out. But I think it. Lots of people were commenting that there just did seem to be a, a, a lot of silence from the government, and they weren't really. And as it kind of just dragged on and on and on, um, it did seem very strange that the government was wasn't you know making a, a strong statement in relation to this. So it seems very welcome that they finally have. Yeah. Well, I guess slightly concerning maybe. I mean, if that's the reason why the government was sort of holding back a bit, the fact that they now feel they have to go out all guns blazing mm. shows that perhaps there's been a bit of a breakdown in in those sort of the softly, softly, mm. behind-the-scenes yeah. reconciliation, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, and just, um, I mean, I saw on the, the news uh, on BBC today, um, there's a kind of case in London um, of a, a really kind of horrific sort of uh, apparently homo- homophobic yeah, attack on, on two women on yeah. a bus. Mm. Um, and it's sort of just, and obviously, you know, um, I'm sure some that kind of homophobic attack is, is obviously a, a very separate and serious issue in itself but it does show you how you know this is so important that schools t- teach about this and, yeah. and try to kind of create a kind of healthy and tolerant and um, equal view yeah. in schools isn't it mm. it's scary it feels like we're going backwards it's yeah it does sometimes um now the other uh, big story this week uh, in the uk at least uh donald trump has been um, <laughs> in England, and we're all wearing our MAGA hats um, to celebrate. Um, so let's talk about fake news, Will, with his favourite catchphrase. Um, Will, you've got a story that combines fake news and GCSE results, or GCSE exams. Yeah, so this was something which um, I sort of alerted to about a week ago, or maybe a bit longer. Um, but it was a very strange... Um, we all know that in the exam season, sort of... Um, Social media can be a bit crazy and pupils are kind of getting out of exams and tweeting like mad and there's a huge amount of interest in GCSE and exams and reacting to what's in exams. Lots of memes. Lots of memes. They're good. I mean, it shows you how, how smart those kids are. I, I don't know what their exam results are, but they're meme games. I was that amazed. I was amazed my first uh, kind of exam season as an education reporter just, you know, putting hashtag GCSE into Twitter and seeing it, all of the memes is incredible. But something a bit sinister is we've come across cases where people are kind of purporting to have exam papers. Um, 
And what they'll do is they'll sort of tweet a photo of an exam paper and it will have a date on it which is in the future. So, um, you know, I think one of the cases involved a, um, I think it was a, a, a maths paper. Okay. Um, and, you know, this is a, a, a photo of a maths paper which hadn't been sat yet, which is obviously quite kind of worrying and it sort of raises fears that there's been sort of a leak or mm. it's been stolen or whatever. Um, but what seems to be going on in a lot of cases is that these are these are hoaxes basically, and people are um, doctoring photos to kind of they're getting an old exam paper, but they're doctoring the date and then they're putting it on social media. In some cases, they're you know people are tweeting these things, and in the tweet they'll say seventy five pounds, and so it seems that there is some sort of intent to try and make money out of this. In other cases. I think it's people sort of making uh, making a joke and having a laugh and uh, pranking other students. Yeah, but it does seem to be panicking some some pupils. I was going to say at a time yeah. when we're increasingly writing about how stressful this period is mm. for students. Yeah. This yeah. is that's the last thing they need to you know, anxiety about. Are they going to resit exams because they've been leaked, yeah. or some people are getting an advantage over them, or should they be paying money for these? Or yeah, and it's I mean it's it's serious enough that Ofqua have actually written a letter to schools now saying. We're aware this is happening. Be aware of this as well. Uh, tell your students not to get involved because if the, if a student does make contact with one of these people and asks, you know, for an exam, you know, to see a paper, then well, obviously that's wrong. But that that individual uh, could be kind of sanctioned as well yeah. by the exam board. So they need to be very careful about all of this. Um, but it it. it it strikes me there's not a huge amount that exam boards can do, really. I suppose they can... I mean, this is kind of fraudulent activity, really. Um, and so I think they can get in contact with social media providers and probably get them to take take these tweets down. But obviously, trying to kind of police the internet is pretty difficult, so... Yeah. Well, um, one last thing to point out... Um, do look at the magazine this week. Um, our colleague Helen's got a great feature uh, which lets you find out what museum learning is all about. Um, thanks for listening and we'll speak again next week.